Welcome to What Is It About the Weather? Podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. This week, is weather a weapon? Get to that in a bit. Hope you're doing well. If you hear some noises on tonight's podcast that are a little out of the ordinary, or it sounds like I'm outside, I'm not. But I have opened the window a bit. We're expecting some storms here. And we're about at that end of what I would call thunderstorm season where I am. There's some chance we might get some up here, so I don't want to miss it. Winds have been whipping around. Stuff I enjoy. Maybe we'll get some in-episode sound effects, or as you just may hear, random street noise. I hope it will be the former, not the latter, but we shall see. We shall see. I hope you've had an interesting weather week. Mine's been had some warm weather. Finally cooled off over the weekend. A little brisk. These storms coming in have kicked up from the south, though, so we're getting a little little warmer air, but then I'm going to kick back into certainly real fall weather again. Iota. Iota. Hard to fathom we're on Iota in the Atlantic hurricane season. Now, I've had some people that are, they thought, there are two things with this. One, what do you do with Iota? Is it a guy? Is it a girl? You know, back in the past, all hurricanes had female names. Then we switched them. Made some sense. Didn't want all these things to be just female. It was unfair. I mean, it's making females out to be the bad person and all this stuff. But is Iota an it? I guess it is. You know, but I'm so used to calling a storm he or she. It's it's weird, right? It takes some adjusting too, because this doesn't happen very often. These sort of seasons don't happen very often. But the other thing that's throwing everybody off is. I thought we'd be done with Zeta. Well, just to be clear, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon, Zeta, Eta, Theta, Iota. And that's why Eta, Theta, and Iota have been coming after Zeta because, well, Zeta, not the end of the Greek alphabet. As you heard, just a few letters in. So don't be confused by that. Are we going to get more after Iota? I don't care in Iota. Actually, I do care. Iota's probably going to make landfall at a, as a hurricane I'm guessing in the end I don't know how powerful it's going to get haven't been following this one quite as closely given its location but that region is where it's not unusual this time this late in the season where we'd see storms and so you know maybe we do get another one maybe yeah if you're going to break the record you may as well break it well any case I also want to take a moment to mention I mentioned this kickstarter last week I'm going to just bring it up again Medio tracker if if you are a weather enthusiast, and if you like being outdoors and doing kind of mobile stuff or taking your weather with you, take a look at it. it. Again, I can't necessarily vouch for the device. I'm hoping the Kickstarter does well. I'm hoping that I can get one. You know, it's something I'd like to have. Uh, yeah, hopefully, they'll make them even if they don't get. Last time I checked, they weren't really looking on track. But you know, these those things are weird. Uh, they didn't seem to get a lot of momentum out the gate. But hopefully they'll pick up some. I think there's a little under two weeks left. Again, mention it here if you find it interesting. Link in the show notes. At some point, like I said, if they get made, I'll be getting one. So you'll hear from me about it if, you, if you're not that interested. But keep it in mind, if, if you have a weather enthusiast in your life who's also an outdoors person, they've got a way to like hook it onto the bike. I mean, I, I'm kind of curious how that'll work. and you know, Or you can put it on your car or whatever. We'll see. We'll see how they work out. All right. Now, before I get to the main story, I just wanted to take a moment. This week, someone, the only person I've ever known who lived to 100, like personally knew, passed away. And anytime you 
hear about those stories. You know, you, you hear them all the time in the news and you often wonder what it was like for that person or whatever. Well, having known this person personally, I can tell you that I think to get to that age, you have to have a full, rich life, right? Uh, you have to have the good fortune of whatever health problems you have, you either catch them quick enough or, or they're not intense enough to take you. But th- there has to be pros and cons, right? You outlive all your peers and all the things you knew, you know. It's not that I think as people get older, they can't adapt. It's that, you know, just the ways you're used to doing things, changing all the time, maybe it wears you out a little bit. Your friends aren't around as much. Yeah, you've got, you may have family, children, grandchildren, that sort of thing. Well, I think it's exactly the same. So rest in peace. Rest in peace. All right, let's get to the main story. Weather is a weapon. Now, how did we get here? <sighs> we have these conversations from time to time, right? How, how did I get to this episode? Well, there are a couple things that got me here recently, and then one we're going to circle back to at the end of the episode. But let's start with the obvious. Game of Thrones. I never, you know, lots of people out there listen to Game of Thrones, watch Game of Thrones, did Game of Thrones podcast, whatever it is. All right. HBO series, very well known, set in kind of a medieval, you know, in Age of Enlightening sort of thing in a eh, European-ish type setup with, you know, hints of Middle East and Africa and all that stuff. It, it, it was interesting in that it was close enough to human history that you could imagine that this is where this point was or that was that. But one of the premises of the show was very much about winter and winter weather. And there are a group of people, if you haven't seen it, I, I don't know what qualifies as spoilers for this stuff, but one of the bad groups of people are these people that come back from the dead. And they're, they have this king who's essentially, they, they look like snow people is the best way I know to describe it. And it's probably some play on Viking, but there's you, know, you have all these undead component to it. So it's a zombie kind of thing thrown in, mixed in there with that. But weather, while not primarily used as a weapon, it was reminding me of how often in battlefield settings and those sort of things, and we've talked about some of these before in, in our History Weather podcast, that weather comes into play. Using whether it's, you know, ice or snow or fog or, you know, whatever it might be. But they also had some weapons at times that were made of like ice crystal sort of thing. And that got me thinking about this kind of weather and, you know, how it plays out in a military environment, if you will. But the other thing that happened recently with the passing of Sean Connery, I was reminded of, you know, films that I liked him in. But one of them that wasn't a particularly well-received film was The Avengers. And the premise of that movie was weather-oriented. It was about controlling the weather right? And going out to the highest bidder sort of thing, if you will. And I was, so I was kind of reminded, again, it was about manipulating the weather for the interest of those who you know, could afford to pay for it. And I was reminded then of the movie that wasn't so good, the Geostorm movie that I, you know, and so I kind of kept walking down this path. But all that kicked me back to a movie that I saw around 2000, maybe 2001, 2002, that was a movie called The Storm, or at least that's how I knew it. So the storm was, the, the idea of the storm was about modifying weather, but in a weapon way. Now, 
you know, you got a scientist person, you got military people, scientist people, person thinks he's learning to steer hurricanes or, or using technology to steer hurricanes to avoid destruction, whereas the military, of course, wants to be able to move hurricanes in a certain path as a weapon. Now, as a side note, this thing had, depending on which market was in, whether it was Europe or Asia or whatever, had all sorts of different names. First, it was just the storm here in the U.S. Then it was called the storm, like hurricane tracker or something. I forget what it was in another market. And then what the funnier one was, it was called literally Twister 2. Uh, the, I don't know, it had some subtitle like the enormous tornado or something like that. But it truly was not a sequel to Twister in any way, shape, or form. So hopefully those people didn't fall for that. Luke Perry was the scientist. This was, you know, right after his 90210 days. And Martin Sheen played the veteran military mind and all this stuff. It centered around what had been up in that time, because it was made in a time when we were kind of in a hurricane lull in the Atlantic. But it was around a well-known hurricane, Hurricane Andrew, that hit just north of Miami, okay, Homestead Air Force Base, but in the Miami area, devastating Category 5 hurricane. And it was about, you know, the military being involved in making that happen. So the idea of, did it make landfall where, or did it get it go awry, or everything go bad, and that's where it ended up going. So you can watch it if you want to. Is it a great movie? No. <laughs> Might you have a hard time even finding it to watch it? Yes, it's that quality of a movie. But again, with me, it's a weather movie. So those things all kind of, you know, kick around, have that stuff on my mind. So I started looking into things, because... We've talked about weather modification before, and I'll put a link in the show notes to the episode where you know we, we had a little more of a conversation about that, about you know what can be done, what can't be done. And I, I sat in multiple conferences, right, where they talk about weather modification and where the science is and that sort of stuff. But I really wanted to get back into this whole idea of it being as a weapon. So way back, way back in 1871, there was a book put together called Weather and War by Edward Power. So this was just off the heels of uh, the Civil War here in the U.S. But the focus was artificial rain. And really what it was was a book that had a bunch of summary text, if you will, your snippets from people's diaries, different things like that, that really brought together, you know, this battle happened and then this rain happened and this battle happened and then this rain happened. Again, varying degrees of how much rain, varying degrees of how long it lasted or how close to the battle it was. But his premise generally was that these battles caused the rain to happen. Now, his idea was that it was how it was the sound. It was the excessive noise that, you know, maybe the sound waves that triggered the rain to develop. Whereas if the rain was truly developed, it was more likely because there was excess smoke and excess condensation nuclei, as we've talked about in just a couple episodes ago, we were talking about more naturally generated ones, that were available for rain. The reality is this more likely, now I, I can't say that without analyzing each case, was a situation of random statistical connection, right? Because if he really looked at every battle, he would probably find that a lot of times it didn't happen, right? So he just happened to pull together a bunch of cases where it did, and the statistics worked in his favor, led to some funding of some different events. Results, inconclusive, right? So let's move to modern times. So as I was looking, I came across an interesting paper. 
It's called Weather Modification, The Ultimate Weapon, written in 1993. Now, this was written by a Canadian military officer at a U.S. military school, which I thought was kind of interesting. And he talks about all the things we think about with other. Now, there's a military phrase called the fog of war. And anybody who's ever played video games will also know this term. Because the idea of fog of war is that you can't know what's going on in the battle arena, if you will, or the battlefield, or the campaign, you know, just depending on how big your world is, without sight. Or some way to see what's going on. So you usually have this fog going on. And usually when you're playing games, you know, the more you develop technologies or you're able to see things over time, maybe you discover where the land is versus the sea. But you may not be able to see all the movement of the troops if you don't have, you know, some way of visualizing that, you know, some defense unit or whatever it is. So he even references that fog and war have been connected for a long time. And he talks about the history about how, you know, militaries have been looking to leverage weather. And we've talked about this. The first weather and history podcast we did was about D-Day, right? So we have this connection between weather influencing military events. Clearly, there's no, there's no debate about that many times over the course of our history. But, but can you really use it as a weapon, right? Now, like I said, some of those initial tests done back at the turn of the century, turn of the century, turn of the century, a century ago, were inconclusive. But let's say from about the time of World War II or in that era, you know, even during World War II to about the mid-70s, and we'll get why that number is important, there was a lot of effort to explore this idea. One well-known scenario was something called Project Cirrus, and this was a project done in the United States. Now, I heard a lot of it was about fog dissipation, but it wasn't, that wasn't the only thing, right? There was also, I even read where they did some cloud seeding, you know, a common weather modification thing, putting cloud nuclei in and trying to either, to, in this case, enhance rainfall. And they had a scenario where the rainfall enhancement was on a band associated with a hurricane. This kind of gets back to that movie. And the hurricane took a track that wasn't originally expected. Now, this was in the 40s, all right? So whether that happened because of their efforts or just because it changed track and it wasn't well understood, and anybody who's followed hurricanes in the last 20 years knows sometimes they don't do what the initial forecast is going to be by any means. It's still unknown. But this project went on for probably 20 years, and it had some successes, or some believed successes, and it had some failures. End result? Inconclusive, right? There, there were clearly times where, whether they were trying to enhance weather or suppress, because that was the other thing they explored, was dissipating fog, as an example, or trying to minimize uh, things like ha bad storm events. And there have there, there have been the idea of, sometimes you want to see clouds, right, to rain it out. So take the energy that's available and keep a really bad storm from forming. So there's two sides to it. But probably one of the most interesting things he talked about was something that happened during the Vietnam conflict in which the U.S. military right, was doing cloud seeding in an effort to enhance rain. Rain was a, a big part of the Vietnam War because it was you know monsoon, monsoon season and non-monsoon season. And when you're out of season, things would dry up. It's a very different world. But during season, I mean, it's just constant rain. 
But the idea was to try to enhance rain that maybe wasn't during the main season or wasn't in the area where it was as prominent to do things like make roads even more difficult to travel on, things of that nature. But again, despite the successes they may have had, there was this other realization, I think, with all of these things, that it's maybe not as easy, right? Maybe you can do it, but you might not be able to control it as well as you want, particularly if you try to do it anything on a larger scale. So maybe a very localized thing, sure, you can pull it off. But really, turning weather into a weapon versus maybe an advantage or a leveling, right? If you want to, again, dissipate fog so you can see where you might not have been able to otherwise, not necessarily a weapon. But with all these movies in mind, right? Continue to think about this. So then we now turn to, okay, that was written in the 90s about some things that had taken place before then, early 90s. Where I had originally seen this was while the podcast was on hiatus, There was an article in a magazine, I've mentioned it before, called Weatherwise. It's not, I mean, it's kind of for weather nerds, weather geeks, whatever you will, weather enthusiast. But that said, there's a lot of more general articles. It's not a peer review type of magazine. So it's something called Weaponizing Weather, the top secret history of weather modification. Okay. And the idea of this article would have been, not not dissimilar to that one I had found in 1993. So, you know, it's, it's only about a four-pager. Now, this one I can't put a link in the show notes. But if you've, during all your being stuck at home, have explored your weather's, or excuse me, your local library's digital availability, you can go in and look for this WeatherWise article. So it was written in 2019. You can give it a look. The, the title will be there. You might be able to find a copy in your local library. But the premise of this article, like I said, was similar to that paper, but it's going to be in a magazine a little shorter. It's about four pages. And the thing that I think caught my attention more than anything else is there was nothing new. Truly, there was nothing new. There was nothing more recent written about. Right Now, as I've mentioned, I've been to conferences. I've seen things on weather modification, so I know the research continues to go on. Now, We'd all like to think it's done to make, you know, save crops that might go down with because of a drought or whatever it is. It, you know, uh, dissipate, as I mentioned, like really bad hailstorms. And I, I was like, why? Really? In all this time, we haven't seen it now either. Or, you know, you got an option. Governments, whether it's the U.S. or any government around the, the globe, has just done a better job of keeping it under wraps it's not that easy to do when you start talking about weather modification now i know you're gonna get all these people to talk about uh, jet trails and all that kind of stuff in the sky i'm not going to get into that whole debate i don't think that's weather weather modification yeah somebody might argue that it is and i i can understand where the conversation comes from because some of this other stuff might have looked like that to people right but really it seems that it boils down to the following. So in the mid-70s, after this big you know, announcement from the U.S. of what they had done, there was kind of a groundswell, and it hadn't been just that, with things like acid rain and other stuff that you know, hadn't necessarily been weaponized, but there was some fear that it could be. This idea of we really shouldn't use the environment as a weapon, and, that, and it's not just weather, right? It's things like 
create a localized earthquake, creates a tsunami? What if you could force a volcano to erupt? I mean, any of these types of things, right? So in the mid-70s, something with a very long name was developed. The Convention on the Prohibition of Military or Any Other Hostile Use of Environmental Modification Techniques. Long and the short of it is, don't use the environment to do bad things. Now, I think for everyone's sanity, the name was shortened to the Environmental Modification Convention. And I'll put a link. You can read about it. So this development, 70s, signed kind of over or more formalized in the late 70s. But I would say a good portion of the countries around the globe have signed on to this. Doesn't mean that they're honoring it. I'm not going to try to say that. But I do wonder how much that's had to do with maybe limiting some of the research that's gone in this area for bad things. Now, you can look at it a lot of ways. You can say, well, the research still goes on. If the military wants it or sees something interesting, they could still take it. Yeah, they could. And that because it's being done for non-military options in its original development, yeah, they're not violating probably the terms, right? Because with all these things, I'm sure there's some loopholes in different things that maybe have to do with safety or preserving life, or the military could still be involved. But again, I do find it interesting that there's really no signs. So we get into this question of, is it because of this treaty? Or is it because it's just not as easy as, you know, our movies like to make it sound? I'm not saying you can't modify weather, but if you really needed to do it on a large scale or really turn it into a weapon, I guess it would depend on what kind of weapon you're looking to turn it into. But is it really feasible? Weather kind of has a, you know... Mind of its own sometimes, right? And let's say you're trying to do something of any scale. You know, if the weather patterns aren't exactly what you think, you might do yourself more harm than the enemy. I don't know. I'd be curious to see where this goes in the future. Evidence so far is all the research that I've seen and all the analysis that's done is it's inconclusive. You can't count on it. And that's even doing the good stuff. Might we get better with it? Sure. Of course we will. As we understand more, as we get a better understanding of the world around us, we're going to be able to do that. I don't know if it's really ever going to be a weapon versus a component of the process, if you will. I haven't seen any signs of it as a weapon. Maybe you have. Maybe you've read a story. You've seen something. If you have, let me know. be curious to know what you've seen. What is it about the weather? Gmail.com. What is it about the weather on Twitter, of course? Mark underscore Jelanik on Twitter. However you want to get hold of me. Let me know. All right, before I let you go, I'm going to hit you with one thing. We were talking about hail, right? Hail suppression. Came across an interesting story about a huge hailstone that came down in Libya, of all places. I mean, I, don't, I just don't think of those kind of storms hitting the, you know, north side of Africa and the Mediterranean. But, you know, storm kind of drifted just over the you know the coastline pretty intense storm seven inches now that is a weapon right it, again you can imagine how these things could be used as weapons but what i found that was interesting is did you know hailstones are categorized so a over anything over seven inches is called a gargantuan hailstone just so you know <laughs> just so you know so there was some gargantuan hail in libya not too long ago hopefully nobody was hurt but, man, I can't even fathom. I mean, I've had hail damage to a car before. And 
you know, I, I know how loud it was. I was inside a building and how loud it was. And that was not even any, anywhere near this stuff. I mean, that, that's, that's size of like, you know, day after tomorrow size hail. All right. Well, I'm going to let you guys go. And hopefully your week will have no severe weather. No one trying to use weather as a weapon against you. I went out on a bike ride yesterday and the wind was trying to whip me around. So uh, hopefully it was just good old, I don't even want to call it mother nature. That doesn't seem right. Nature doing its thing, right? But may you find something in all that weather that intrigues you in a way you never thought about. Some connection that you go, I wonder if wonder if, because as we all know, there's much more weather than the weather itself. <laughs>